time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 151 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton, but most importantly, we hug chickens every day and we kiss them too. Don't forget, we brew coffee from a little coffee house in historic Gettysburg, PA, Bantam Coffee Roasters. Holly, and what kind of coffee are we brewing today? Mm, Today's the delicious Brazilian coffee. That is so yummy. So where can we tell everybody to get their coffee? Bantamroasters.com. And follow them on social media. Are you ready to sip some of this? delicious Brazilian coffee and chat. I am, but first, a word from our sponsor. We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. They're here, new and improved, Grubly's World Harvest. I'm a longtime subscriber, and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats, plus orders $40 and more ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein, perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. Grubly Farms makes food and treats for healthy pets and planet. To support us and Grubly's, go to our website or our show notes and use the link. Try it today. Okay, so how are you doing? Great. How are you? I'm great. I got a new set of wheels, so I'm super excited. I know, new car. I want to take that on the road trip. I know, I know. I'm so excited. I wasn't excited when my transmission went up and my... Oh, I know. I was on the phone with you when the transmission sound started and I was like, girl, that is not good. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. So yeah, the car died. The Mm -hmm. the minivan days are over for this mama. But when you have an 18-year-old and a 13-year-old, you're kind of good to move back to the SUV. Now you just need... Yeah, right. right, You need the shavings and chicken food mobile. And I still have three rows of seating, so... It's a a nice car. It's nice. Thank you, honey. You're in the SUV territory. (laughs) You can all-wheel drive now. I know. I'm so excited. And it's a midnight, like, blue. Dark blue. It's beautiful, yeah. I love it. I love it. I haven't had a new car, everyone, in, like... Over 10 years. So I'm excited. <laughs> it's very nice. But yeah. it was a sad day when the minivan, the transmission went off. That mm-hmm. was a sad day. Yeah. Well, that's what's going on over here. I'm waiting for my pullets to start laying. I I know you've had some laying. I've, I've had none. None of the Asiatics are laying for me. I think I have close to a dozen eggs now. Oh, hush. The baby eggs are so cute. And I put a picture of them up, but it doesn't do them justice. I know. They're so adorable. I love them. I think the last couple of years, mine had started before yours. I know. So I'm finally turn. winning the race here. Exactly. I've got none. I mean, none of them. None of the Brahmas, none of the Cochins, not even my beautiful Jane Goodall, the Langshan. So Margo was number one, the little stinker. She started laying first. Then the Orpington started first. It's, it's crazy. Funny. Yeah. And then Celeste, one of the Houdans, laid That's the my most girl. adorable little white egg. And then I was getting a surprise light brown speckled egg, which I do believe is one of the coaches. Mm-hmm. And I'm like so excited to have another speckled egg layer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are the best. They're beautiful. I never like to give those away. I know. I love the speckled eggs. Is that bad that I don't want to give those away? Yeah. Why would you? I love them for pictures and looking at them. They make me happy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. One of my Barnavelders lays a really speckled egg. It's beautiful. I love it. Poor Truffle. Oh, my God. She has lost the, all of her vet feathers. The Barnavelders are having a rough molt. Ooh. All of them. Can we say the molting is real right now? It it's really bad. is. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those babies. Oh, my God. I feel like it's worse when it starts on the neck because mm-hmm. then they don't, they feel horrible. It just, it just, yeah, moves it its just way down. It goes all the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm just lucky to be getting like six eggs a day right now. You are lucky. I'm only getting like two to three with all of my chickens. Oh, no. I'm getting like six and then the politics. Nice. Lucy is starting to molt but still laying. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of like, oh. I have an Andalusian who's still laying. Franny the leg bird just stopped laying. And I think, I'm pretty sure Emma the silver lace cochin is still laying. Both my Andalusians are still laying. And some of the Nankins. Some of the Nankin hens. And now... After Rita went through that horrible molt, she's laying again. Apple Blossom is still in the... Oh, no, you're right. Apple Blossom has started... But she's still growing feathers, but she started laying again. They are slow, slow feather growers. That must be what it is. Yeah. So their body must start them early so that they're definitely... Maybe she's definitely laying again. I recognize her eggs very easily. Yeah. Rita's are very long and pointy. Yes. And like, <laughs> they're um, and odd shape. Apple blossoms often has di- like some weird coloration on it, like weird light. brown things. Yeah. Oh, no. Rita's are really light and they look like torpedo almost. Uh, I, we get the torpedo egg too. Yeah. They're Interesting. Good, though. They're good. They are delicious. Anyway. Yeah. The egg and molting talk. That's why we love our chickens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know. Anything else going on on your end? Probably, but nothing I can think of. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> if you're listening to this show and you're loving it, head on over to Apple Podcast and leave us a written review. We can't tell you how happy it makes us to read those beautiful reviews that you're sending us. We love them. While you're there, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And it's a great way to help us grow. If you're looking for other ways to help support the podcast, you can share your favorite episodes on social media. Thank you. We have a lot of word of mouth traffic lately, so thank you so much for doing that. Thank you. You can visit our Etsy shop, check out the t-shirts, the mugs, and the little teeny chicken ornaments. I think we've sold out again. (laughs) (laughs) You can become a patron of the show, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Check our levels of membership, see if that's something you would like to do. We do an episode each month for our patrons. And join the group of lovely ladies that we talk to every month. Yeah, the Zoom happy hour is fantastic. I love love those women. Yeah. The other thing you can do to help support the podcast is visit our website and our show notes, use our affiliate links and discount codes, and buy products from our sponsors. Yay! Hey, Chris. Yeah? Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then yeah. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the August box, I absolutely love those amazingly good smelling nest box herbs and that giant roll of rooster stickers. They're great. I love the wood decorative plate. It's going up in our studio today. And with all my baking, those egg separators are going to work awesomely. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order, and shipping is always free. Such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. Use the code CWTCL50 for 50% off your first box of a three-month subscription or more. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals health products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. 
The Breed Spotlight is brought to you by Murray McMurray Hatchery, defining quality for generations. For over a century, Murray McMurray Hatchery has remained a trusted family-owned business working tirelessly to ensure our poultry meet the highest standards. Whether you are an experienced enthusiast or just embarking on the journey, look to McMurray Hatchery for guaranteed quality rare and heritage breeds, low minimums, and all the supplies you need to raise your flock. Request a free catalog today. Time for a breed spotlight, yeah. Marching band? Americana? Yes. Yeah. There's a little flute in there. You guys can't see it, but there's a little <laughs> air, flute. air flute. Air flute again. Okay, yeah. so this week's breed spotlight is the New Hampshire. The New Hampshire. Yay! It's an American breed. It is. New Hampshire is an American heritage breed chicken developed in the early 20th century. So like 19 teens, 1915-ish, somewhere around there. Yep. They're a standard size dual purpose breed, popular for eggs and as table birds. They remind you of somebody, their cousin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Rhode Island Red. Right. They're a very handsome breed. They're a beautiful chestnut color. Guess where they were developed? Where? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) New Hampshire? New Hampshire, right? Could it be? And what you were hinting about is, unlike many other breeds that come from a mix of heritage breeds, you know, that have been bred to create a new breed, New Hampshire's come only from Rhode Island Reds. Mm -hmm. Completely derived from the Rhode Island Red. They're also commonly used as parent stock of hybrid layers. Yes, because they get the egg-laying ability of the Rhode Island Red. Mm-hmm. The New Hampshire was admitted to the standard of perfection in 1935. Wow. And the standard notes that there are strains of New Hampshires that were developed especially as table birds that have extremely rapid growth and increase of weights. But those strains don't have the egg production qualities of the heritage line New Hampshires. Okay, I can see that. Another little fun fact, the New Hampshire is one of only three chicken breeds that are official state birds. Okay. One is Jersey Giants. No, it's not. <laughs> it's true. Believe it or not, I it's got not. It wrong. So the New Hampshire. Yeah. The Rhode Island Red. Rhode Island Red. And what's the third? I thought it was Jersey Giants. Uh, no, your daughter almost went to school. Where? Well, there was a lot of schools she almost went to. Dr. Rebecca went there. Oh, oh, the Delaware. Delaware Blue Hen. Damn. <laughs> Why? I'm always thinking Jersey Giant. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't have blamed New Jersey if they made the Jersey Giant their state bird because they're awesome. I know. So the story of the New Hampshire chicken begins in the early 1900s in Walpole, New Hampshire. A produce farmer named Ira Hubbard had three sons, Oliver, Austin, and Leslie, and they all attended the University of New Hampshire. We've told this story once before. Yes, we did. With a different breed, so... In 1914, the Hubbard family started breeding poultry and they were selling chicks and hatching eggs to families and farms. One of the sons, Oliver, was encouraged by his professor, Red Richardson, to try some genetic selection work in his breeding program. Was he half chicken? His name, Red Red Richardson. (laughs) One of those kind of funny old-fashioned nicknames, yeah. Initially, the Hubbards were working towards disease resistance and the New Hampshire was essentially the end product. During that time, the early 20th century, Merrick's was going through a lot of the leghorn production farms. Yeah, I mean, that was before the vaccine. Right. And we were fully aware of what mm-hmm. exactly Merrick's was. And it was wiping out a lot of the leghorn flux. So people were really trying to focus on disease resistance. So that's why they started working with the birds that became the New Hampshire. As we said earlier, they are completely derived from Rhode Island Reds. 
And they selected those reds for size, Mm -hmm. for robust health, and probably most importantly, disease resistance. Exactly. They got the strongest. I mean, that is the way the world works. Mm -hmm. The strongest prevail. Yeah. In whatever field you're in. If you're a chicken, you're the strongest, you're going to Well, when you're talking about farming, yes. Yeah. Now, during this time, the Hubbard family's reputation for top quality chicks and eggs really began to grow and spread. In 1921, Hubbard Breeders Company was formed. Now, you may already know the name Hubbard. Mother Hubbard? (laughs) That's not where I was going. No. So the Hubbards were the original breeders of the Golden Comet. Yes. And they went on to become a very well-known genetics company. The Hubbard's Genetic Company? Yeah. Like (laughs) the Hubbard Brown? Yeah. They also invented the Golden Comet. The Golden Comet. That's why you know that story of the Hubbards. Right, right. So the New Hampshire was one of the breeds that took part in the Chicken of Tomorrow contest. This was after the Second World War. You know, we've talked about this before. Organizations and government agencies were looking for a way to provide lots of protein quickly to large amounts of people. So they had dual purpose in this point Mm -hmm. with a larger bird that had really good egg production. Exactly. We know in retrospect that all of this work has led to really awful industrial conditions for chickens. Terrible. And the New Hampshire's were the result of some of this early work. The baby boom was on. Post-war America was looking to use factories and automation to the fullest capacity. They had the technology. They wanted to use it for food production. Now, the contest, remember the A&P grocery store? Country Ridge. Right. Oh, so of course. A&P was originally the Atlantic and Pacific Tea Company. We talked about this before, I think. With in the one Golden of our, Covets. That, and also, I think, in one of our retail therapies for something vintage. Maybe. maybe. I think we did. So anyway, the ANP and the USDA and the Cooperative Extension offices announced a contest that had a $10,000 prize. I remember the story. For the best broiler chicken. And by best, they meant the fastest growing and the most efficient feed consumption. Right. There were a number of smaller state and regional contests that took place, and then the winners advanced right. to the national competition. So in 1948, a documentary film was produced to share the Chicken of Tomorrow contest and information about the contest it, with this consumers. This kind of seems wrong that this poor chicken is like, I won the contest, I know. now I get to be eaten. I agree with you, it yes. It just seems it's, like... It seems like that's a backwards. cosmic joke, right? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. horrible. Like, you don't want to win this contest, okay? Right. You don't want to win it. So besides the New Hampshire, other breeds entered were the White Plymouth Rock, Red Cornish, and a New Hampshire Red Cornish Cross. The New Hampshire did not win. The New Hampshire Cornish Cross did. Well, that's just not a shocker. The Cornish is a quick-growing chicken. Right, exactly. So that cross is going to win all the time for that. And just a note on this, because we've touched on this before, just a note that when this took place, according to the University of Wisconsin-Madison's Extension Agency, the average American now eats roughly 70 pounds of chicken meat per year. Back when this contest took place, or actually a little later, so from the 1950s, The 70 pounds of chicken people eat now is five times the amount consumed in 1950, which was about 14 pounds a year. That's crazy. Right. I think we were talking about this with Arthur a few weeks ago. And And we we were talking about chicken keeping and how the chickens are really misused in so many different ways with the overconsumption of the chicken. That's And we talked about this with Sally Coulthard as well. I mean, the reality here is if you're concerned about chicken welfare and you don't want to be a vegetarian... One of the things you might want to consider is eat a little less meat. Right. Buy it from farmers who are producing pastured free-range meat. You're going to pay a little more, but you're paying for a bird that was treated- The right way. Decently. Exactly. That and also have, like you said, multiple nights of veggie. 
Or, you know, you know two you can, nights a week of veggie isn't too much. Serve your roast chicken one day and then make soup with it. You right. Know, stretch the meat. Stretch the meat. That's Better for your health said. anyway. Oh, but I'm bummed. Okay. So okay. tell us what these beauties look like. They're beauties. And let me tell you something. They're red. Really? <laughs> I am shocked. This is the Captain Obvious one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So they are big. The roos are handsome. And the hens are let me say, beautiful. They're really pretty. They're really pretty. Okay, so let's look at some of the size of these birds. The roosters are coming in at about eight and a half pounds. That's a good chunk of a chicken. Oh, yeah. And the hens at about six and a half. They're in the medium to large. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Mm -hmm. they are a good sized bird. It's kind of like my spicy. When I pick her up, there's a difference when I pick her up than when I pick up a leg bar. Oh, yeah. She's a proper chunk of chicken. She, like, you can tell, like, she's dense. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what you're going to feel with these birds when you pick them up. Jersey Giants are the same way. That's a hunk of love. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like... That's an armful of chicken there. You know what? Yeah. So, load there's in. so they have straight combs, which there's something so cool about just a bird with a straight comb. It's, it's a classic. Remember when we were talking about colonial chickens when we did the, the Old English pheasant fowl? Oh, yeah. And, the, you know, that colonial look, and it was often that ruffly rose comb. Well, I feel like starting with the Plymouth Rocks and going up through all of these birds... Like the, the 20th century classic American, American. comb is the, is the straight comb. It yeah. definitely is. And then sometimes they can flop over. They're just so cute. They have the red earlobes, red combs and waddles. Now, they have that blocky. This is what I'm saying about Rhode Island Reds. They right. have the blocky kind of body shape. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like a triangular body shape. And they have those yellow legs and feet. Your favorite. That I love. And they will fade with age. Yeah, they have a nice juxtaposition against the beautiful red feathers, though. So enjoy them the first, like, two, three years, mm-hmm. and then... Then they'll fade in time, They yeah. fade. It's like the Cochins right now, those bright yellow Oh, yeah, feet. they're deep yellow. They're, uh, they're yeah. so pretty. Okay, so both sexes are rich in the chestnut color. Mm-hmm. You're going to love chestnut. We're going to talk about chestnuts later, too. And hens have the black border on their lower neck feathers and the black tail feathers. The roos are chestnut and russet and have black and iridescent green tail feathers. Now, you know how I love those green They're iridescent very feathers. handsome birds. Yeah. So, that's what they look like. Yeah, they're they beautiful. They look like a Rhode Island red because, essentially... I feel like they're more gingery than a Rhode Island red. Where a Rhode Island red, you're, you're especially the heritage line, you're running towards a dark maroon like color. Like mahogany. And these girls are more like gingery. They are a little bit more gingery, but they do, they are... Like close cousins. Mm-hmm. They're like your first cousins on Absolutely. your mom's side. Yeah. You know, it's There's like, enough that you can recognize the relationship. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. Okay. Let's get back to egg lay because we were talking about this. Right. A ton before. So they're going to lay large brown eggs, about 200 to 250 per year. So they are in our very good category. Well, that's a good layer. Yeah. We've always said Rhode Island Reds, New Hampshire, the cousin of the Rhode Island Reds. They're going to be no different. They're really good layers. And they're known to go broody every once in a while. Mm -hmm. So if you have some eggs that you want hatched, they may be your bird. Right. They actually have the Rhode Island Red can go broody. Right. There's the Heritage Rhode Island Red. Like like spicy. Exactly. Before they they were really bred into production lines, if you get those old Heritage lines, they do have the broody genes there. Yeah. But spicy does not go broody. Well, she must have enough of the modern production line in her. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. That part I'm okay with. I know. I mean, it is nice to have hens who will hatch eggs for you, but sometimes, wow. If you don't want to do that, the broodiness is just... 
yeah. not a good thing, you no. know? So I'm kind of like, I don't need 20 some chickens all trying to get in a nest box. Oh, heck no. That's Woo! a nightmare. No way. Now, we feel like the New Hampshire is a fantastic homestead breed, especially if you want to use broodies for hatching. Right. I mean, if you want to hatch that way, they would be great. And yeah. you know who loves New Hampshire's? Penny, our friend Penny. Penny Pennington Weeks. Yes. Yeah, she has a beautiful flock. New Hampshire's are dual-purpose chickens. They are great additions to a permaculture or regenerative ag system. They will eat some bugs for you. Mm-hmm. They're reported to be very intelligent and friendly, though... Watch this. They're sometimes a bit competitive or aggressive in a mixed flock. Are we listening to what we're talking about? The Rhode Island? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're a strong bird. They come from a strong bird. Sometimes that's good. I feel like the strongest birds in your flock are going to last you the longest anyway. Well, as long as they're not going after other birds, you're okay. If you have enough in place to fight bullying and boredom busters in there, then hopefully even a strong bird can stay kind of enthused with something else. I mean, honestly, we would probably keep them with some of the stronger breeds and just make it easier on everybody. They would have to be with stronger breeds. Yeah. They're big birds. They do like to eat. And they're not necessarily cheap to keep. (laughs) But um, these are not inexpensive birds to feed is what I'm saying. It's a big bird and it likes to eat. They like to eat. And it makes me sad if I hear people that are withholding food from chickens. It really bothers me. I know. If you don't want a bird with a big appetite, maybe don't go with New Hampshire's. Here's the thing. I've said it a million times. I'm going to say it again. I've never seen a fat chicken. Neither have I. And neither has Dr. Rebecca. No. I hear a lot about that, but I really, some breeds are supposed to be big. And they're big. And I've never seen what I would consider an obese chicken in 20 some years. Me so Anyway, the New Hampshire's are reasonably both heat and cold hardy. But they will need some accommodations in either extreme. That's like most of the American chickens. That's mostly every chicken out there. Right. So they're a big body chicken. So when it gets too hot, they may need fans. They're going to need cooling off. While they do well in the cold, they have good size straight combs. So you're going to have to protect those combs. They might need supplemental heat to keep those combs from freezing. And feet too, probably. Feet, combs, waddles, Mm -hmm. eyeballs. Everything needs to be warmed up. (laughs) (laughs) Covered up. The Livestock Conservancy currently lists the New Hampshire in the threatened category of the poultry conservation list. They're a sleeper chicken. Well, they've actually slipped down because the last time we profiled the New Hampshire a couple years ago, they were on the watch list. They were on the watch list. You know, the thing is, they're kind of one of those chickens that gets lost because they are a popular breed that you can get at some of our, well, our favorite hatchery. Mm -hmm. But they're also not a breed that goes a lot into regular farm stores. Right. So they go into that category to me of that lost sleeper chickens Mm -hmm. where you can't get them in your farm supply stores. You have to order them. But there's a group of people that don't like to really order chicks. Right. They only want to go to farm supply stores, but they don't go there. Right. I don't see them a lot. The mill has had them a few times because the year you got the barred rocks, you called me and you were like, do I get New Hampshire's or do I get Bard Rocks? And oh, I told really? you to get Bard Rocks. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen them a ton though there. No, not a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, not other big chain supply stores, I've never seen them there. I've seen them at Rural King. Yeah. Once. So they're kind of that chicken that may need our assistance, mm-hmm. that more people may want to be involved with, but you have to order them from our mm-hmm. favorite hatchery. Murray McMurray has a gorgeous line they of New do. Hampshire's. Really beautiful chicken. You can also check the Livestock Conservancy's Breeders Directory. Might have some luck there. You might. If McMurray offers them, 
Uh, well, one million percent. Well, you know that's what we're, <laughs> well. Obviously, that's where we're, we're going to tell go. you to go there because they're above and beyond. They're going to be the gorgeous, healthy chickens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So here's where I'm going to go at this point in time. If you have the New Hampshire Penny, if you're listening, share some pictures. Flood our Instagram with stories and mention us all about the New Hampshire, and we will reshare the story. If you're looking for a chicken coop that's produced in a planet-friendly, sustainable way, try Nestera. Each coop is made from highly durable, 100% recycled plastic that keeps the equivalent of up to 2,000 shampoo bottles out of a landfill. Their clean, modern design will fit into any garden or run area and comes with an industry-beating 25-year warranty and a range of handy accessories. Simple to put together, so quick and easy to clean, and most importantly, red mite resistant. Your chickens will love it. Quick shipping from Nestera.us. For a 5% discount, use the affiliate link in our show notes, on our website, and on Instagram. Link in bio. Check them out today. Roosties proudly sponsors Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We personally use Roosties products with our chickens and we're huge fans. They have their awesome nesting pads, do-it-yourself feeder and waterer kits, and they've just released their best product ever, a new chick feeder and waterer set. They have adjustable legs to keep food and water clean. They're super well-made, and the feeder even has a removable lid so it can easily be filled from the top. So if you're raising chicks or keeping chickens, all their products are available for prime delivery on Amazon.com. Check out the Roosty store on Amazon or follow the link in our show notes. Okay, so it's about that time that we go across the pond and have coffee with Fiona. Yeah! 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 Oh, miles oh my behind God. you. I won't it was get it perfect. on time. I know. All right. Okay. I'm never yeah. sure at the same because we've got that minute delay, haven't we? And I'm not saying anything because I'm the one who will hear it post production. So <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's perfect, though. It's maybe perfect. we've gotten it this time. Hey, how Fiona, are how are you doing? Oh, so busy. So much going on at the moment. We've got elderly parents moving into the area. So we've got all that going on. We have got people coming left, right and centre to buy the chicks from this year. So most of them have gone now. We have got three being picked up at the end of the month. And then we only have two left from Sky's Batch. Only two, but they're not old enough. She's still with them. And we absolutely do not make chicks available until they brood hen naturally makes them independent because Mm -hmm. it's just not right. Otherwise, I don't feel right about it. Yeah. So when should I be there to pick them up? <laughs> You're going to sit with them on your knee over the Atlantic, getting them home, really? Yes. Oh, yes. So that's a good way to make space around you on the airplane because nobody wants to sit next to you oh, and the yeah. chick, right? Well, I'm going to put little diaper, baby, tiny, like miniature diapers oh, on them. Oh, if it meant what I didn't noise. Again, people will stay away from you. Great. Yeah. I love it. I'll take chickens <laughs> with me every time I fly. I love it too. Yeah. I'm coming over. Yeah. Holly can sit with one on her head. I can have one on my oh, head. Oh, no, no poop in the hair. <laughs> I draw the line of poop in the hair. No. We oh, I've got two at the moment that love sitting on my head and walking around the pen with me. I so saw I've got, that. I've got a Crested Cream Lay butt and I've now got a Cobra Black Moran who likes doing it too. Aww. And they're just so lovely. Have one of them so pooped on your head yet? Saying, no, but they keep grooming me, which is a bit bizarre. It feels very, very strange. It's so funny that we're talking about getting pooped on because today because we're talking poop. Poop. It's our poop episode. <laughs> it's our poop episode. <laughs> oh, we have to save it to do it with Fiona. It's the only way we can do the poop episode is with Fiona. That's right. We are now the poop ladies. I love that. <laughs> Not crazy chicken ladies, we. 
we're crazy chicken poop ladies. And if we post about this episode, we have to hashtag poop ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Someone will have used that before you know it, don't you? Probably. If you talk to anyone who's ever kept livestock, I mean, almost any animal, poop is the keys to your kingdom. You can learn so much from cleaning poop and seeing what's going on. It really is. It it is like the window to seeing how their inner health is doing. There really is not a better way of watching what goes in must come out and it must come out in normal fashion. And if it isn't, then there's something wrong inside. You say normal fashion, but normal doesn't necessarily look like we would expect normal to look like. It can look like all different. There's a a very wide range of normal. Oh, yeah. And that's why we have to talk about it. We get lots of questions every day and lots of poop pictures. This is poop looks normal. <laughs> Do you? No one yes. ever sends me poop pictures. Oh, we get them all get, the time. I get pictures from people saying, please tell me what's wrong with my chicken. And I have to keep saying I'm not a vet. But no one has ever asked me what's wrong with the chicken from their poop, ever. We've gotten our fair share of Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. You know, it actually is a good picture to get because it can tell a lot about what's going on. Yeah. Or I love the ones that are normal and I can say nothing. That's completely normal. Don't worry about it. So those are great. And let's start with the average amount of times that a chicken should be pooping per day. One chicken. Experts say it's an average of 12 to 15 times per day. But I think it might be a little higher than that, depending on their appetite. Yeah. So do I. And they're big as well. I mean, it's the one thing I keep saying. It's the one thing I wish somebody had told me when we first started keeping chickens. In fact, there was a lady who bought three little chickens from us the other day. And these, these are little pullets. They're only 14 weeks old. And she actually emailed me the next morning. She said she'd gone into poo, picked the coop. And she said, I think something got in overnight because I've never seen so much poop. <laughs> <laughs> Poor lady. All theirs. So like Holly said, it's the keys to the kingdom. We want to see lots of poop. We'd like to laugh about complaining about cleaning up poop because the other thing is when you don't have poop, there is a definite problem. Oh, yeah. That's so worrying. Right. Mm -hmm. So 12 to 15 times per day, we want to see that come out. In the morning, they're humongo. You're like, oh, my God, have you been saving this up for 12 hours or eight hours, however many? Yeah. Oh, the broody poops. Yeah, they definitely save them up for 21 hours. Yeah. (laughs) That's generally very nasty. Let's go on to that later. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about not pooping because that can lead to something that is a pretty common problem with chickens. And when you think it's intestinal, the intestinal tract, it really isn't. It's something else. So if they're not pooping, it's going to give us a clue that there's something wrong with the crop. Right. And several things can cause that. And really, I would send you back to our Chicken Crops 101 episode. Right. I really want the basics of crop health. Yeah, that's a good episode. But certain other things can slow down the crop. So it can be disease. Merrick's disease has been known to shut down a crop. Bacterial and or yeast infections or co-infections of both. A parasite load. A parasite load. Right, right. I just, this morning, Pete and I just dewormed Franny the leg bar. Franny is molting. And she's been running around pecking at all kinds of goofy things. Oh. Yeah. And she had a little bit left in her crop this morning. She's still eating and drinking and acting normal. And so I poked around the run a little bit and watched her. And when she walked, she pooped and walked away. And I went and looked and it had roundworms in it. 
Yeah. Yes. And so that tells me that Franny has probably been foraging in muck and she's picked herself up some round worms. And so we dewormed her with liquid safeguard for goats. Her pooping hasn't slowed down. So whatever's been going on with her crop has not stopped her from pooping. But yes, a parasite load and those other things we mentioned can have an effect on their frequency of poop. The reason I bring it up with the poop. It's, yeah. the, it's the early warning system for anything that's going on, whether it's parasites, whether it's disease, whether it's something going on with their crop. If they're not pooping, pooping too much, or there's something in there that you don't recognize, something is wrong. Yeah. And, and the reason I say you're not now necessarily going to know until they lose a lot of weight either. So, right. And you don't want that to happen, especially with the small bodied chickens. Right. Yeah. And the reason I say something now is because molting season is a big season. Molting affects them. It's natural, but it's hard on them. So what happens is their body is kind of thrown into this and it's trying to come together and get everything right. But they're a little debilitated at that time. So if they go around the edges of the run and they get things that they normally don't eat, they're painful from those pin feathers they can get too much of something and then you see the lack of poop or you see the parasites. I've had the same problem with my chickens during molting time because they forage more. So they get more bad things. I think they feel lousy so they don't eat enough of their own food Mm -hmm. or maybe they don't want to compete with the other hens. Right. And then they're just kind of, like we said, roaming around the edges of the run and pecking here and there at stuff they wouldn't normally be messing with. I think it's the competition thing because they do tend to take themselves off to one side and mm-hmm. kind of wander around the periphery of the main flock. So I think you're right. I think it is that they don't want to be around the main flock itself so they keep away from the main feeders, Yeah, but still need to eat, clearly. Right, right. And they get the bad stuff then. So they are pooping. There is a chart out there which we talk about multiple times, which lists all different kinds of chicken poop to tell you what you're looking at. Because chicken poop is interesting. There's a chart for everything. (laughs) This chart actually was put together by some UK chicken keepers in an allotment chat group. And I've got a story of when I was a librarian, still a librarian, I worked in a rural branch and one of my other best friends, Michelle, worked there with me. And I think coworkers walked in absolutely horrified to see the two of us sitting at the table with the poop chart. And we were eating. We didn't think anything of it. We we're like checking the poop chart. Chicken keepers kind of get it. And the thing is, when you look at those pictures, there's a lot of them. If you're not a chicken keeper, if you're not a chicken keeper for a long time, you look at it and go, oh, my God, something's wrong. But actually... Most of them are perfectly normal on that list. So it's really, really interesting and educational for any new chicken keepers. It's a fantastic little tool. It really is. It is the best of the charts I've ever seen. And I will have it linked in the show notes so that everybody can go there. Find it easily. Yeah. Right. Can I, I actually it, just tell you one story about um, of course. there is a magazine over here which is published for the smallholder community. And they have an ask vet question section and quite a while ago i think it was about two years ago somebody wrote in and said there's a lot of white on my chicken's poop what's wrong with it guess what the vet said he's not drinking enough water now we all know as seasoned chicken keepers that white on the poop is just the urex which has no other way of coming out 
And it's perfectly normal. It's never going to go. You're always going to get some kind of weight on the poop. So if anyone says to you that chicken's ill because you've got urets on the outside of the poop, it's fine. Don't worry. That's the most normal that you want to see. They don't produce urine the way most animals do. Their urine is the white urates. Yeah. And sometimes that's more watery. Sometimes it's like thicker. Again, check out the poop chart and you'll see a lot of different variations and all of them are healthy. And just seeing the white come out can be a problem in itself that they're not eating enough solid food. So if you're just seeing white, you're seeing the urates, then you know that they're not eating enough. There's, you know, when we teach people about it, the urates, that's the perfect thing. We tell them chickens don't pee. They pee and poop together. And that is the urine. Mm -hmm. So I can't believe it. But what he told them to do would be fine. You would just see more white and you would be like, I told, I did what he said to do, but I don't see it white and even more. You would see diluted white. Like if they drink too much, then everything gets watery. You see that a lot in the summertime. And I think that really freaks people out. It's just a hint. But if they've got drinkers on demand, how do you make them drink more? That's what he didn't actually (laughs) tell them. You can lead a chicken to water. (laughs) (laughs) I know a saying about that. So, yeah, and there's all different types. I mean, this chart shows a lot. The other poops. The other thing with brand new chicken keepers that sometimes freaks them out is sequel poop. Right. Oh, yes. Yeah, that yellow froth. Ooh, something's got to be wrong. And essentially, the sequel poop, there are two sequel pouches in the chicken's intestines, and they're actually loaded with all this bacteria. So, things that go in the sequel pouches tends to be more fibery stuff. And that bacteria will ferment them and break them down. What that means is stank. <laughs> yeah. Serious it stank. It does really smell. It's not good. It is. And it's a different consistency. And when you get that on you, you're like, no, <laughs> I cannot believe it. Because it's harder to get off. It's not a normal, like, you know, form stool. You're like, no, no, no. Say it, it is. So. High heavens. It does. I just can't get over the number of different normals for chickens. Yeah. And it's confusing. The one thing that I want to mention too, sometimes people will say my chicken's poop is green. If they ate something that's somewhat tinted Mm -hmm. in a different color, it can color their poop. It comes through. I've noticed that when my chickens have to be on antibiotics, they do have green poop also. Yeah. Yeah. So something like that, that you're changing up, can make it green. It can also yeah. mean that they're not eating enough and the bile, the yellow is coloring it too much. Mm-hmm. So all these different things if they're come just, into play. If they're just eating a lot of grass and greens, I find that that's a darker green. Right. Yeah. It's more like grassy looking. If it's bright Don't green, that's what you cabbage. might have a problem. Don't the red cabbage. The red cabbage. Yeah, the, the purple poop. That oh, yes. It's so crazy. You're seeing it forever. Yeah. Blueberries, red cabbage. I gave the red cabbage and I'm like, how much longer is this going through? Choke cherries. I think Pete totally wigged out once. This was not too long after we bought our place, our little farm now and and had brought all the chickens over there from my farm. And there are a couple of choke cherry trees around. Choke cherries are small, dark purple berries. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. He was like, what is wrong with the chickens? (laughs) Nothing. They just they just had a lot of berries. <laughs> oh dear. 
Yeah, well, or you know, intestinal you get, lining as well. Don't forget that one. That's really freaky. Intestinal lining. Let's talk about that because that one, that's what yeah. we get a lot of questions about. That throws off a lot of people. So chickens will naturally shed small amounts of their intestinal lining. Ooh. And when it comes out, it's kind of a pinky red color. And yeah. I think it scares people because they think it's blood. Yeah. And sometimes it's not. I'm looking for it on here. It's down further. It's down further. No, when there's, uh, in my experience, when there's blood in the chicken poop, it's very visible and it looks like blood where the intestinal lining looks a little bit more like, the word I want to use for that. Lining. It actually does look like it's attached to membrane. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. the thing. It's, it's the consistency more than the, the color I, I find. I was but it's not say- bright red, like bright blood red. No, it's almost um, like a towards orangey scarlet or towards a salmon color a lot of the time. Can I just say, I can't help laughing because I can't believe we have sat trying desperately to describe intestinal lining for about two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but I can't help it. But that is a normal poop. That's normal. That's not a problem. It's not blood. We didn't give the disclaimer at the beginning of this episode. Don't eat your lunch while listening to us with this episode. Probably already figured that out. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the thing is... Smells, amounts, blood. Yeah, don't eat. Yeah. It is a key to seeing their health. And that is the key thing, right down to the amount of white, right down to shedding lining, right back to chicken only pooped once a day versus 15. Those are the types of things that you can get out of this and they're health-wise. You can also, as you look at poop and really the backside of your chicken at the same time, if you're seeing consistently really runny poop, you might want to add in probiotics. Right. If you do see blood, grab some of it to have a fecal done, but put those birds on cord right away. I mean, there are certain things you can see in chicken poop and you know the next action to take. And collect the sample, like you said, and take it to the vets and let them run it and tell you what's in there. Right. Yeah. And it's it's the first place you'll ever see the worms as well, as you quite rightly said earlier about the roundworms. You'll see tapeworms, you'll see roundworms, you'll see every single intestinal worm that the chickens can get in that poop. So that's actually, horrible. that's one of the reasons to go in and do a poop pick every single day. Yes. I know a lot of people don't clean their chickens out um, until once a week or sometimes even longer. But being able to go in and do that poop pick and removing it, it's not only more hygienic for the chickens, but it allows you to check the health. Yeah. I mean, we do a weekly cleanup, but when we open that coop door, we're checking every chicken and then we're looking at the poop on the daily because yeah. you really need to see what's what they did overnight, what's happening. Yeah. yeah. The other thing we wanted to talk about is kind of like chickens who get poopy hineys. Yeah. It happens. If they're oh, having yeah. loose stool, it's going to stay. If they have a lot of white built up on the back under the vent. It's not always a yeast or vent glee or those things. It could be the urate. Right. And it could be that they have diarrhea and that's sticking to their feathers. Yeah. And the first thing that I would do is clean them off and deworm with one cc of safeguard for goats because it's not going to hurt anything. Right. Right. It's true. And it can definitely, I always say deworm because it doesn't hurt a single thing if you have the proper dewormer. Right. And that way it takes care of everything right away. Yeah, I know that really does scare people and make them think vinkly. But I agree with you. I think it's urates a lot of the time, just built up on the feathers. Yeah. 
And it's like the, the other thing is it's very, very common in older birds as well. And it's also very common in very stupid birds who stand in the wrong direction in the wind, as I know <laughs> with my Orpingtons. So actually, a lot of the time I'm not treating when they do it because I can actually watch them with, I mean, we live in the flatlands of the UK, so the wind yeah. just whips through. And they do sometimes stand in the wrong direction. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, you know, I've seen older hens like, most of their life that way because like they don't squat very well like my dummy right them in the end doesn't it yeah she was a bumblefoot frequent flyer and she does have a slightly misshapen foot from scar tissue and she is not very good at squatting and so oh, i can't bless. tell you <laughs> i love that hand i cannot tell you how many times i have to clean her up though but that's also yeah. another key of looking that she's not Maybe she's arthritic and one right different, it, it's another way poop can tell you another yeah yeah. Part of the story. Yep. And yeah. that's why it was the it's... issue we had with Gannett when she got a lot older. She got arthritis and couldn't squat properly. Yeah. And right. So, so it's an, another thing that we can learn. Yeah. Once every two weeks, she was popped in a bucket. Yep. Just wash oh, it off. She loves it. She loves it. Dolly tolerates it. She, I wouldn't say she likes it. She tolerates it. Yeah. And you well, know, Gannett it... particularly liked the hairdryer. That was the thing. I think it was the hairdryer. Yeah. All more, of more. the hairdryer. Oh, they yeah. love the hairdryer. And I always like, I love how they look right after the hair. Dryer. And they always look so pristine. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> so yeah, looking at poop can be like, ooh, why? Uh, but it's a key to the story of what's going on with their health. And I think it's really important for everyone to know what's healthy, what's not, what to expect, and what not to expect. Now, Fiona has confided to us that she does not get a lot of poop pics. So send her all your followers. <laughs> No. If you can see her <laughs> face right now. Yeah. What are you guys laughing as no, much as we are? No, please do not ask me what's wrong with my chicken because I'm not a vet. I can't do it from a distance. Please, please, please do not send me pictures of poo. I really don't want my DMs filling up with poo. Let's do not flood do that Fiona's please. DMs this week with poo pics. <laughs> You were so surprised that we get so many poop pics. We get a lot of poop pics. We like, do. I have never received a poop pic from a. We from can't have that. We need someone ever. to send Fiona at least one. No. Well, no. What, also, all joking aside, if you see poop that you think is abnormal, snap a picture of it. Don't send it to Fiona. You can send it to us. You can send it to us. But run in and, and you know, bookmark the allotment chat where the you know where they have the poop chart and compare it to the poop yeah. chart and it if it's not the on the poop chart go. go ahead and send it to fiona i agree it is the best place to go <laughs> poop chart's the best place to go not fiona <laughs> don't send your poop pictures to fiona i was just oh, joking i'm never gonna forgive you now if i start <laughs> getting all these dms with pictures i love you both but no no yeah no, no. We crossed the line. We have to make yeah. talking poop fun because it's one of those things that you're going to have to look at as a chicken keeper. If you don't, you're missing a lot. It's a lot and of information. You can yeah. catch things really early before they become a thing if yeah. you are watching the poop. I mean, that definitely goes for it goes for any animal at all. It definitely goes for livestock, especially the ruminants, you know, all the, the sheep and the goats and all of those guys who are out on pasture all the time. Yeah. You know, again, looking at poop on the regular. And don't send me your sheep poop, because no. <laughs> and the other thing is, I mean, intestinal parasites. We just did an episode a few weeks ago on pharmaceutical dewormers versus 
herbal dewormers. But all joking aside, our chickens are out there where birds, if they're in the grass, where the squirrels are pooping from the trees, they're going to get parasites. Don't feel like you failed them if your chickens get them. No, you can keep your run spotless. and, And still, there are parasites in the soil. Wild birds carry the parasites. Rodents may carry the parasites. No, yeah, it, it's not your I'll fault. If your you how often I get notes from people saying, I, "I think I might have this, but don't tell anyone." And I, I feel so sorry for them because most of these things are perfectly normal. Mm-hmm. You know, they pick up worms if they're free ranging. If they've got the ability to graze at some point, they're going to get some kind of worms. They're going to get northern fowl mite. They're going to get chicken lice. They're going to get red mite at some point. Right. It's almost impossible to be a chicken keeper and not have at least one of those three at some point in your flock. We almost had a northern fowl outbreak recently. Pete was closing the Isla chickens out. He, he tucks the chickens in. And he came in one night after closing the coops and he said, there are mites all over my hand. So long story yeah. short, there was a bird's nest above one of the coops and i think some of the mites had just fallen down we got it cleaned out but it's nobody's fault it just happens it's nature i think we have to take the feeling the feeling of i'm not good enough away that yes these things are going to happen you just need to be prepared everyone in your first aid kit should have a bottle of safeguard for goats so that you can give one cc if you see it immediately it's not a bad thing to have at all times no no also a very quick thing because we didn't think about this a bird with poopy butt, check for mites and lice because I can stop them from squatting properly as well. Yeah, very much so, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But over here in the UK, it's different treatments for mites because right. we don't have the one that, that you mentioned. So we have in stock for us, we have two things. We have something called Durgal, which is a fabulous insecticidal, which actually is safe to be sprayed onto the chickens as well. So we would use that to spray down the coops entirely and potentially the ground around the coops as well. But we'll also treat the chickens. And at the same time, we would use a 1% solution of ivermectin directly to the skin. One drop, 500 grams of chicken. Yeah, we did ivermectin. One thing I do need to say as a disclaimer, that is not licensed for chickens in the UK. However, it's not here either. They most vets in the UK will recommend using that for your chickens, and that's what our vet did for us. Right, it's off label here in the US as well, but extremely effective. We use it for all the mite problems as well. Yeah, yeah. So, Fiona, thank you for coming today and talking poop with us because who else could be (laughs) such a great friend of ours and sit here and talk poop? I don't know, no one. So, it's just fun to say now, isn't it? Okay, so all joking aside, if you have any problems, feel free to message any of us and we will help you the best that we can. If it's a poop picture, that is fine. We always do. Yeah. We see we a do. lot of poop. It's not a big deal. Send them over and we'll let you know to the best of our ability. Fiona, go, go bookmark that allotment chat chicken chart. You, you you'll need poop it. Chart. You yeah. want it. And then take it off the yeah. show notes and put it somewhere where you can have Keep it. Keep it, yeah. Okay. And so all joking you. aside, anyone can message me as well because uh, I know I joke say don't send me pictures. If you are concerned or you're a new chicken keeper, just send, just ask me the questions. I'm perfectly fine about it. Exactly. And I'll help you as best I can. That's, Absolutely. That's what we're here for. Thank you, sweet friend. We love you. We'll see you next month. I've got the chickens ready for you. Bye. 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 Okay. So now it's time for. 
Cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. And Holly hit her mug with her pen, which gave us a nice little ding into it. Oh, did I? Yeah. You were like. (laughs) It was great. Okay. So this week's Cracking the Eggs. Chestnut flour gnocchi. That's right. Because Holly Ann's got a lot of chestnuts. I do. I've got pounds and pounds of chestnuts. (laughs) What are we going to do with them? We're going to pound them into flour. Oh, no, the food process is going to put them into flour. <laughs> if we want to get any frustration out, just get a very large mallet and pound a chestnut. I, You do need to kind of break them up before you put them yeah. in the dehydrator, and then they go in the food processor. But I was going to say, don't peel your chestnuts with any frustration, because you need a sharp knife and patience. And you'll, if you're like me, you'd end up cutting yourself with a knife. Yeah, don't do it. Don't, don't do, do it. it. Don't. Okay. So they're in season, because mm-hmm. they're chestnuts roasting on an open fire, right? That's right, yeah. So yeah. yeah. This is a time of the year where you can find fresh chestnut flour to use. Like, people are selling it now. Oh, can you, because I don't get it, but do you have to go to Etsy for it, or can you get it at, like, Wegmans? Sometimes you can get it at Wegmans, yeah. Oh, okay, I mean, look around. Sometimes you can get fresh chestnuts there. Sometimes you can get shelled chestnuts and just put them in the... Food processor. Food processor yourself, exactly. So, it is chestnut season, and you know we like to cook seasonally. And like you said, I've got a bumper crop. (laughs) I couldn't believe. The, oh, my goodness. And they're huge. Okay. So, it's only October, but now I just keep thinking, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Well, that's not really a Christmas song, is it? I mean, we yeah. use it as a Christmas song, but it's kind of just a winter holiday song. Yeah. Jack Frost nipping at my nose. Well, this is a celebration of chestnuts and gnocchi. Italian food, because I love me some gnocchi. Gnocchi. <laughs> that's pretty. <laughs> okay. So, let's go into the ingredients for gnocchi. It's three pounds of russet potatoes because you know that this pasta is filled with potatoes, mm-hmm. even though it's Italian. It's they're almost like... Or wait, no, it might not be Italian. It is Italian. Oh, they're Italian. It? Absolutely. That's what I thought. Okay. But, but I, I tend to think of them more as dumplings than pasta. Anything they kind of that has potato the in it is yeah. kind of like, hmm. Yeah. Okay. So six medium potatoes peeled, washed, and cut into quarters or three cups of mashed potatoes. Um, Like instant mashed potatoes. I was going to say, we're not going to judge if... It's a weeknight. You can use leftovers. You can make your own from scratch. Or you can use a beautiful dehydrated box of spud flakes. I love myself some homemade mashed potatoes. But I'm going to tell you, weeknights are not times for homemade mashed potatoes. Well, you know, I'm a convert to instant mashed potatoes in the past two weeks because after my surgery. Yeah, that's all you're eating. I was was eating a lot of mashed potatoes. And I was like, hey, these are pretty nifty. My late mother-in-law taught me how to make mashed potatoes. And they're the best. Oh, my homemade mashed potatoes are to die for. Right, but... Weeknights is time for instant mashed potatoes. I'm right there with you now. Okay, so then we're going to go into two teaspoons of salt, two large eggs, one cup of that chestnut flour, and two cups of all-purpose flour or gluten-free. So it's a double flour. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. So to prepare your gnocchi, you want a large pot. You're going to put your potatoes in there if you're making it from scratch. Cover them with water. Bring them to a boil. Cook them for about 15 or 20 minutes or until they're fork tender. Allow the potatoes to cool a bit and then mash them. You either use a potato masher or put them through a ricer. The ricer gives you the best results. I do it both ways sometimes. Yeah, I, it depends on how lazy I'm being. You put the, put the mashed potatoes aside to cool. If you're using just regular old instant mashed potatoes, you're golden. Proceed. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Once the potatoes are cool, you're going to put them into a large mixing bowl. Break your eggs into a small bowl and beat them. You're going to carefully pour them over the potatoes. Now, with a fork or a mixing spoon or whatever works best for you, gently combine the eggs with the potatoes. 
I love how it says, you know, like, beat those eggs and then gently combine And then you're them. gentle, right? <laughs> Break and beat, then you're gentle. Exactly. You're going to sift that chestnut flour over the mixture. Stir it again carefully until the flour is blended into the mixture. Then add your all-purpose flour. Then you're going with the all-purpose. Same deal. You're going to knead that dough for about five minutes until it holds together. Knead that dough. Knead that dough. Divide it into two logs. And then you're going to slice each log into quarters. So you're going to have eight mini logs. Roll each of those mini logs into a rope about 12 inches long. <laughs> this is quite the interesting set of instructions. Have you ever made gnocchi from scratch I've before? I've never made it. I've made ravioli. Okay. Yeah. But no. Yeah. So I, I, gnocchi is one of my favorites. So I've made it many times. So yeah, you're going you're gonna to roll it into that like foot long, one inch diameter <laughs> rope. Okay. Once you have your, your 12 inch long, one inch diameter rope, you're going to cut those into one inch lengths. Okay. And then you're going to use a fork to gently impress ridges in the gnocchi dough so they look like the actual gnocchi this dumpling. Is, this is a recipe that when you're making it, go back and reread as you go. Yeah, you don't want to miss that. There are some recipes that you're like, okay, I got it. Mm-hmm. You just go. That's how I am. This is one that I'm going to be like, okay, now I have the, the one inch by two centimeters by four <laughs> inch. <laughs> it's not that bad, but yes. Yeah. Make sure you get it right though. And then you need to cook them. So you're going to fill a pot about three quarters full of water. You're going to add salt. Bring it to a boil over high heat. You drop the gnocchi in in three or four batches. You don't want them all in there. Trust me, I've They'll done stick. it. They will stick. So you want them in a few batches. As they cook, they float to the top. And you just scoop them Sweet out. Ravioli. with a Yeah, scoop them out with a slotted spoon and drain them. If you are going to do something fancy with them, like you might want to have a waiting pan to saute them in. A lot of people make them with brown butter, greens. I like to just saute them in a little bit of butter Add some fake Parmesan cheese and serve them with roasted veggies. Sounds good. But you can also smother them in various sauces and cheeses. They're really good with pesto too. Yeah. We're going to have to do another episode for raviolis because that's my forte. Oh, yeah. I was taught by the ladies at uh, St. Leo's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, of Little Italy how to do it yeah. with Al- Alyssa. But gnocchi is really kind of the same way. It's very similar. I mean, except it's a potato dumpling, It's more dense. Right. It's right. heavier. So it's going to take a little bit longer to boil or actually like a low simmer and come to the top. Right. So right. just know that you're going to have to cook it a little longer. I mean, the gnocchi's easier to make gluten-free, I think. I Yeah, I see that. But it would be fun to experiment with ravioli. You can actually make chestnut ravioli too. I actually like put it through my, I have a- The pasta maker where you like roll it. I have hand and Mm -hmm. I also have one that hooks right to my mixer. Oh, cool. That works amazing. So when you turn the mixer on, it just comes straight through. It just sends a sheet through? And then you have the cutter with like the little edges. The little fluted cutter, yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. We we should definitely try that. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. We could do that and put it somewhere on our social media. Absolutely. But we should have, we should do one for the Noki too. Yeah, we can. Yeah. That would be great. It's delicious. I love it so much. Okay, try it. You might like it. I'm going to have Holly Ann make me some since I've never made them personally myself. I, I've eaten my share of them. As tired as I am right now. Are you going to go make me some? Oh, girl, it's going to be instant mashed potato time though. <laughs> <laughs> I have some up. The next time I'm making real mashed potatoes is Thanksgiving. Okay, we might be out of here because I'm going to go get some. <laughs> let's, let's go do it. <laughs> okay, so now we're ready for retail therapy retail therapy yeah Yeah. this week's retail therapy we're talking the flock star app we're talking about an app yeah it's an app we got an email a while back from brian who is the creator of the Mm -hmm. flock star app Mm -hmm. now brian is a software engineer and a chicken keeper 
And he thought it would be really a great thing to have a record-keeping app for flocks. That's really cute. Uh, You can go in. I like this app for going in. You have so many pictures of your chickens. Mm -hmm. Each chicken that you add, you can add their picture. You can, yeah. And you can create your flock or flocks. You you can do multiple flocks. Essentially, this is a record-keeping app for your flock or multiple flocks. It does require a subscription. Yeah, it's $20 a year or $2 a month. Yep, exactly. And it has multiple ways to track a lot of things about your flock, including egg output. You could track what you charge for eggs, your expenses for your whole flock. The thing I like about it is you can track their physicality, so their weight Mm -hmm. every week. So we can track a chicken to say, okay, she's lost two pounds. Is there something going on with this chicken? Okay, so you can do all kinds of stuff with this app. I mean, it's really versatile. You can track their weight. You can track when they're molting, how long they're molting. You can track when you deworm them, like all kinds of health things. The deworming might be a good idea, definitely, because if you deworm and then you have to do a second in 10 days, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you're going to know you the You can date. plug it in there, right? You can exactly. plug it right in there. To keep all the information in one spot mm-hmm. in an app is really a good idea just so that you have it for health purposes. Yeah. Uh, any medications you might be using, behavior patterns, all kinds of things like that. A couple of other things we really liked about the app, it can be shared amongst family members. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. You can download reports and, you know, look at your data. Right. You know, download and print it that way. And it gives you little charts with who's laying, how many eggs Mm -hmm. and everything else. So it really, you know what else for reproductive problems? Mm -hmm. That way you can see, because the one thing that I was going to ask you is when was the last time you laid an egg? Right. This is almost like a tracking for like, you know, your period. If you're a woman, you know, like you want to know like how many eggs. When's the last time you laid an egg? She laid it three days ago. Now she's not laying an egg. Yeah, exactly. So there's a journal function in the app and that's where you can plug in a lot of this miscellaneous information. I love that. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. I did my, I didn't put all my birds in there, honestly, because I have a ton, but I did my (laughs) Nankin breeding flock and you know, you can set up with the name of each chicken. You can also do things like track how many blue eggs were laid in a week. Exactly. You just plug in. And you don't have to, if you're doing, if you're tracking your eggs, you don't have to put the eggs in for every individual chicken because sometimes you just don't know who laid what. Exactly. But you can see, oh, my flock laid 18 eggs this week and last week they laid 22. Right. Exactly. I I, I like it for that reason of just tracking data mm-hmm. so that you can have it for the health of your flock. I think this could be really helpful for a 4-H kid. Oh, yeah. Kids in general, but especially 4-H where you're doing these care projects with your animals, your livestock. It's a great idea. It's a great way to keep all your information in one place. It's called Flockstar. You can download it on the Apple Store. You can download it from Google Play. Anywhere. It's across the board. It's a great thing to check out, especially if you really like data and you Mm -hmm. like to put everything in. And I love the fact that you can put pictures of them in there. Yeah. Of course, I like that part. Of course. But (laughs) yeah. So check them out. Go on your App Store and see if you can download it. And it's a great product. There's also a Facebook page for the app. And there's a website that goes along with the app. So you get there's a lot of support for it. I like the other thing is that Brian is a chicken keeper himself. Yes, exactly. Okay, so should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week, we are spotlighting the Langshin. One of your faves. Mm -hmm. Main topic, we're talking to Dr. Rebecca about poultry pain management. This is a must listen. Cracking the eggs, sweet corn pudding, very seasonal. And retail therapy, our favorite. 
chicken Halloween costumes. We can't wait. Okay, so what should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 